we are in a series right now called B-Sides. B-Sides. Uh, Eric, uh, I guess I can call him Pastor Eric because he is a pastor, but uh, one of our elders, Eric, uh, kicked, us, kicked the series off last week talking about the floating axe head. If you're going, what the heck does that mean? Go back and watch or listen uh, to that. But the whole idea of B-Sides is that not everyone parts the Red Sea. Right? Not everyone slays giants, and it's super helpful to go through stories like that, but it isn't always super applicable, right? Because we look at that, we're going, I'm just going back to my cubicle tomorrow, right? Like, I'm just going back making cold calls, or I'm going back to a staff meeting tomorrow. I'm not slaying giants, right? And so the whole idea of B-sides is that everyone makes a difference. Every story matters. Your story matters. My story matters. Um, you know, recently we were in uh, Japan. You're going to hear about Japan a lot, just FYI, over the next uh, year because it was such a bucket list trip for us. Just some of the genesis of it. We told our kids years ago. I told some of you guys this. Uh, we told our kids years ago when they were, like, little, like, two and four. Uh, we had, like, no money. Like, chicken nuggies were, like, a, a, like filet mignon for us in that season. And we, we told the girls, hey, when you guys turn 16, we'll take you anywhere around the world. It's like our version of a quince. You know, it's like we'll take you anywhere around the world when you turn 16. And then we, I thought that would never come, right? But they tended to get older, and they eventually hit 16 years old. And so our, our older one reminded us when she turned 15, hey, I want to go to Japan next year. It's like, great. Have fun. You know, mow some lawns. I don't know. Figure it out, right? And she's like, no, for my sweet 16 trip. Totally forgot about it, right? I was hoping she would. So... Uh, we, went to, uh, we went to Japan, and we had to cancel a couple times because, you know, the worldwide pandemic and stuff. But we ended up going, one of the most amazing trips we've ever been on. Uh, I realized that the last time I was in Japan, I was actually my kid's age, which is just so surreal. But the last night we were there, we were in Kyoto, and we went to this Inari shrine. You guys ever seen, uh, like, the Instagram post where there's, like, hundreds and hundreds of these gates Right? Some of you guys may have been there in Kyoto. Uh, so we went there the last night. and it was a, it, We went there the last night because it's open 24 hours. And so we needed to like, go there at night because of the way our schedule worked. And so we went to it. I'm going to show you a picture of it. Uh, you want to put a picture of the shrine? So this is, uh, there's thousands. I mean, maybe there's only a thousand. Hundreds, up to a thousand. There's a lot of them. There's more than six of them. Uh, I'll, I'll, it takes you hours to go up and back, and we were, we didn't do the whole thing because we don't have time for that. We're like, we get it. We're going to, it's going to look like this for the next couple hours. So we'll just, we get it. So we've seen it. So what's crazy is we were walking back to the train station, uh, going through the shrines. That's my family up there in the shadows. And there was, it, this section had a bunch of names of people who had donated, right? So uh, like all these people, and to us, I can't read, those of you guys that can't read Japanese, it just looks like, it could be literally anything, just cool Japanese, right? It could be like, I want to tattoo that on my body. Like, so it's so cool looking. And then in the middle of it was on the left, I don't know if you notice, it says, who will be the next hero in English? Uh, and we walked past it, and Nellie and I were talking, we're like, that's so cool. And then I just felt like I was supposed to go back and take a picture of it. So they were way up there, and I go, hold on a second. So I rushed back and took a picture of this. And I was like, what in the world? Why, why, why do I need to take a picture of this? And as I was preparing for this message this morning, I realized it's for this. And the whole idea for me is in the middle of all these names, in the middle of all these, you know, characters, there is this just random set of words, who will be the next hero? And I thought, how appropriate, how appropriate, that in the middle of hundreds of other pressures in your life, right, because we all have, uh, you got to, 
be fit and you should eat right and you should work out and you should pray and you should read your Bible and you should worry about your mental health and your emotional health and you should, you should never stop dating your spouse and you should always, you know, work harder and be the first to show up. Lastly, you should go to church and go set up early, you know, go to church early to set up and help and all these pressures, right? It's, you need 50 hours a day to do all the pressures of, of things that you need to do in the middle of all of those things where we feel like we're not making it, right? We're not doing enough is this little voice that says, will you be the next hero? Will you be the next hero? Like, will you make a difference in the world? Will you do something that matters in this world? Will you make a difference? And I think the challenge can easily be missed. Most people probably just walked right by this thing and didn't even notice. We almost did, right? So, you ever feel like that? I, I, I was thinking about this too, that, that so many times I feel like this one little post in the middle of all these other posts, right? I look at other people, I go, they're more talented than me. They're more gifted. They got more connections. Who am I, man? I'm just, I'm just a post in the middle of a thousand posts. My story doesn't matter. How could God use me? I'm thinking, like, what difference does anything I do make? I don't, I'm not slaying giants, Right, I'm not. I don't. I don't have a, a million followers on any social platform. I'm not like, but that guy does, that girl does. But who am I? How, how can I make a difference? And I started thinking about who made a difference in my life. And I want you to think about that too. For those of you guys that are uh, Christ followers, you're Christians, or maybe you're not, but you can think about people who made a significant difference in your life. They're the heroes, right? The ones who were there for you in the dark, unglamorous moments. Right? They say that when, when times are going good, your friends find you. When times are not going good, you find out who your friends are. Right? In those dark, unglamorous moments, you didn't even know which way was up. There were people there, right? Those were heroes. The people that sacrificed for you over and over again so you could have opportunities. Maybe they put their neck out on the line for you. It could be your, your parents or a coach or a teacher or a friend or a coworker. That they sacrificed they risk their reputation for you. They're a hero. Who are people in your life that took on discomfort to give you a better life? They're heroes. And why I think that's important for us to think about is we can look at, you know, like say in the church context for me, we can look at uh, lighting and video production and graphics and how cool your apparel is, right? And we can go... Man, that's what changes life. You want to have a church that's making a difference, you got to have the coolest lights. You got to have a cool room. You got to be in the best location. You got to have really sweet apparel, right? You got to have the coolest hoodies in town, right? You got the coolest moving lights. You need an LED wall. And listen, I don't mind. I actually really like that stuff. I would love to have an LED wall. I would love for us to have the coolest apparel, right? I love moving. I love productions. I love it. I love video. I obsess over like camera zoom-ins and lenses and filters. I love all that kind of stuff. The team will tell you, I love haze, man. Like, I love that stuff, right? Amen. Jesus did too. But here's the thing. That stuff is ice cream. It's not the meal. Because, because, if I were to say, if I were to ask you, who were some of those heroes that we talked about? Who were the, you know, how did you get through those hard seasons? How did you develop a relationship with Jesus? How did you learn how to pray? How did you get through that dark time? You know what you're not going to say? Cool apparel, 
right? You're not going to say, man, you know how I found Jesus? I hated God. I hated the church. And then I saw that moving light. Man, I was like, I have to serve God, right? I saw that LED wall and how bright it was. I was like, man, I need to follow God with all my heart, right? No, you can name people, right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through a bunch of these B-side stories. A lot of them you've never even heard about, or maybe you've heard kind of about them. Like, I'm, how many of you guys have never heard that floating axe head story until last week? Yeah, right? So we're going to go through some of those, uh, and I, I really hope they'll be helpful for you. And I hope what it'll do is it'll inspire you to realize that God wants to work through you, that God wants to make a difference in your life, that your biggest way God can use you is not for you just to bring people to church so the pastor can tell them about Jesus, that God wants to use you. And I would even say that there's people that God can use uh, you to reach because you don't have pastor in front of your name, right? That's a whole other conversation we don't have time to go into. So today, uh, we're calling it Meet Me on the Roof, Meet Me on the Roof. How many of you guys say roof and how many say roof? Who says roof? Yes, exactly. Three of us, three of us. How many of you guys say roof? Man, that is so weird. Roof, roof. Jesus said roof? I don't know. I'll, I'll talk to him later about it. So anyways, today is called Meet Me on the Roof. Meet Me on the Roof. It's a, it was actually a B-side on one of Green Day's album, Meet Me on the Roof. So that's why we're calling it Meet Me on the Roof. It actually makes sense here a little bit. So we're going we're gonna to start off in uh, Luke chapter 5. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 17. It says this. One day while Jesus was teaching... Some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were, t- were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all of Galilee and Judea as well as Jerusalem. That's an important point. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. So keep that, keep that slide up there. Who was listening to him? Who was listening to him? Pharisees and teachers of religious law. These were the it crowd. These were the gatekeepers of the faith. They were the ones who set the spiritual tenor. They were the ones who had given their lives to kind of lead people into what it meant to follow, to follow God fully. But here's what I want you to see. Where are they from? Where are they from? Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. This is a really big deal. So there are teachers of religious law. There are pharisaical leaders that are, uh, some of them, from Jerusalem. Jerusalem, depending on where you leave from Jerusalem and depending on where Jesus is at uh, in Galilee, it could be 80 miles plus, an average of 80 miles. So what that means is for an average person that's going at a pretty good clip, this is a four-day journey. If you're going 15 to 20 miles a day, which I don't know about you, I don't want to walk 20 miles a day for four days, right? Four-day clip, about two weeks if you're with a family traveling in a group to go this distance. So you have these group of people, some of them from as far away as Jerusalem, that came here to hear Jesus speak. So they were either really interested in hearing what Jesus had to say, or they were really interested in shutting Jesus down. But they were really committed to making something happen today. See, Jesus was a really polarizing figure because there was a certain way of doing things. Before Jesus came, there's a certain way of doing things. What man is really great at, whether religious or secular, what man is really great at is creating lines, especially those in power, of who is in and who is not. Right? This is what men do. When I say men, I mean people, humans, not just like women don't do this. All of us. We're great at creating lines of who is in and who is out, and the leaders are always the ones that are in. Right? We create these lines. And the 
in crowd has a really great gig going of drawing that line. And we don't want anyone to mess up that line, right? People will get real nervous when you start messing with their normal, right? We, we support that population, but we don't, I don't want that population to move in my neighborhood. That, that, that crosses the line. I want equality for everyone as long as it doesn't mean less for me, right? Yeah, I want equality. I, I, want, I want change as long as it doesn't change any of the things that I want, right? So be really careful. And it, just before you go, oh, yeah, no, those people are like that. No, no, no. We're all like that. That's our natural tendency. We want, we want change as long as it changes towards what we want. See, so the Pharisees and teachers of religious law, they're the gatekeepers. They're the ones who draw the line because they're a church state, right? So the church has incredible power. There's no separation of church and state. They set the lines of who is in and who is not. And so you have Pharisees and religious leaders that are doing this. And here's the thing. We give those guys a really bad rap. We got to realize that these guys, they're almost like, um, like whenever they come in the scene in a Bible story, we almost feel like this, dun, 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 like they're like the bad guys, right? Like swiper or something. But they're actually, when we look at them, there was a time when they were sold out for God. There was a time when they could have done something else, but they decided to follow God, to give their lives for ministry. They were zealous for God. They just wanted to know God more. They wanted to spend their lives studying and helping other people know God too. And then somewhere along the way, they shifted. Somewhere along the way, they sold out. Somewhere along the way, they started protecting tradition instead of making their goal to help, help people follow God. And so before we point the finger at them, we can all be like that. I think all of us are pushing against this tide of becoming a Pharisee, of becoming a religious leader. And those of you guys that have followed Jesus for any amount of time know that's true. That you started out with such a soft heart of, I just want everyone to know God. And then all of a sudden, you can find yourself drawing lines, can't you? Of trying to protect tradition. Oh, no, no, you're out. You don't get to be a part of this, right? So that's all of us. We can be the same way. I remember years ago, I was in ministry training, uh, and the pastor of my church, a guy named Pastor Sam Mayo, he's since passed away, but he's this great southern guy from Georgia. And he used to pray, uh, at the end of his prayers, he would say, amen, amen, and amen. Like one of these guys, right? He prayed for a long time, and then took a long time to end his prayers. One of these guys, right? One of the most spiritual guys I've ever met. No matter how early I got to the church, he was already there praying. And uh, I was so cocky in that stage. Um, so full of ego. And I remember sitting in Sunday night service, because that's what we did back then. We had church all day. And uh, we would have service at night at 6 p.m. And I remember sitting in the balcony. And I'm, ugh, I'm horrified, mortified, thinking about this. But I would sit in the balcony with my King James Bible, because, you know, it's spiritual. And I would uh, read my Bible, and I would count how many verses Pastor Sam used. Right? And I would go, oh, you only used six verses? That's not spiritual enough. Right? I would judge him. I remember one of my leaders pulled me aside. He saw that, and he pulled me into his office, and he goes, who do you think you are, man? Like, who do you think you are? When you pray a tenth of what Pastor Mayo prays, you can talk about spirituality, right? And it was such an awakening uh, for me. Man, there were, I, I would literally sit there, and I would read the Bible instead of listening to his sermon because I thought I could get more. I was so cocky. I was a Pharisee. I was a Pharisee. And my life has been 
peeling this back and trying not to be that. And for some people, Jesus reminded them of the heart. So you guys got, you got guys like Nicodemus, right, that go, I remember you sparked something in me of why I got into this thing. So for some of them, some of the religious leaders and Pharisees, it reminded them of what they were called to do. And then for other people, Jesus was letting people into their exclusive club, and they really did not like them. So that is the mix of people you have going on in this group. Verse 18, it says, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. Typical Sunday service, right? You got guys coming in carrying a, a guy on a, par- on a sleeping mat. It said they tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So the room is so packed out, people are spilling out, uh, out into, the, into the street or the, uh, you know, outside the house. Uh, and so what do they do? They go, oh, well, I guess we'll just go home. Now, what they do? They took him on the roof, roof, and took off some, is it took then or is it took? Just want to, oh, skin. okay. So they went on the roof and took off some tiles. Just playing. Uh, then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. I think we can read these stories, especially if we've heard them before, and go, oh, yeah, I know the story. They were, you know, they, they, they lowered him to the roof. Okay, do you know how weird that is? So just unpack the weirdness of this story because sometimes we get familiar with stuff. We don't realize that that was kind of insane. So first of all, you got a group of guys. Let's call it four guys, one at each corner, right? And they come from somewhere Galilee, did they come from Jerusalem? Did they travel 80 miles with this guy, right? Some of us, we don't want to drive across Tustin to come here, right? Especially during Stormwatch 2023, it's like it's, it's drizzling. I can't go to church. It's, I need hot cocoa and I need to stay inside and protect myself, right? My lawn chair blew over. I need to stay inside. So, so there's these guys that we don't know how far they walk. They didn't Uber there. They had to walk with their friend. I don't know how much their friend weighs. Is he in shape? Could he lose a few pounds? We have no idea. But his, they're walking with their friend some distance, right? At least across the town. And then they take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So when they couldn't find a way, they immediately go, let's take him to the roof, right? Let's go up there, right? That's amazing, friends. We'll talk about that. You can tell a lot about someone by how they face adversity. Actually, you can tell, tell, tell a lot about someone by how they, uh, how they handle when things don't go their way. Right? Everyone's in a good mood when things go your way. How about when they don't? How about when your boss or your employees don't do what you want them to do? When your neighbor is just being that guy or that girl? Right? What do you do when the stock market doesn't go your way, when pastor doesn't do what you want them to do what do you what do you do when when things just don't go your way you learn a lot you find out what you really believe when you go through hard times you find out whether what you say you believe is what you actually believe right in those moments you find out do you really believe god is able like really do you really believe god is with you i mean really do you really believe that God is good even when there's no evidence to support that? Do you believe that God is good? See, difficulty doesn't determine direction, right? Sometimes it feels that way, but it doesn't determine direction. So whenever you're doing anything worthwhile, expect difficulty. Maintain hope and believe that God has a better way. Of course there's challenges, man, 
right? You think what God was going to call you to do something that was easy? Is that the story you want to write? Is that the story you want to be a part of? We love stories like the pursuit of happiness or whatever, right? Because of the challenge. So what do you do? How do you handle adversity? How do you handle obstacles? Do you shut down? I'm glad these guys, this guy's friends didn't. They were like, hey, it's full. Hey, let's go up to the roof and like tear shingles off. We'll figure it out. I don't know. I got insurance. We'll, we'll, we'll figure this out. Do you, know what you, do you know what you need? You need a community. Do you think this paralyzed guy had a chance to do this by himself? There's no way. There's no way. So what did this, I'm trying to picture like what happened. Was it the resolve of the paralyzed guy? Or was it the resolve of the friends that when they saw the crowd, I mean, the paralyzed guy really can't do anything. Like, he was like, hey, guys, let's just go home. It's cool, right? But then the friends were like, let's do it. No, we're going to make this happen. We came this far. We're not stopping now. So his friends did what he couldn't do so that he could do, eventually do what he couldn't do. His friends did what he couldn't do so eventually he could do what he couldn't. And see, there are things that are only possible with a group. There are some, some things you're facing right now where you're hitting obstacles and obstacles and obstacles. You're going, I cannot get any traction. The big reason why is you're trying to do it by yourself. We're not meant to do this alone. We don't push people into small groups because we get, like, profit sharing, right? Like, there's no perk. There's no, like, church oversight. It's like, every person you get into a small group, you get $1.50. You know, it's like, we, get, we want you in small groups because we want you in community, right? So his small group rallied around him. I don't, can't prove it's a small group. Let's just call it a small group. But his small group rallied around him. In, the time, in that time, in the first century in Galilee, they had thatched roofs. It's really hard for me to say roof. I feel like I'm, it's, it just feels bizarre. I'm going to say a roof, and then you just, you know, guard your heart. So the homes of Galilee, they had, they had mud-thatched roofs <laughs> with staircases leading up to him on the side, right? And so what they did was they... I don't even know how you lift a guy onto a roof. I don't, don't even know how that happens. I, I mean, did, they, did he roll off at any point? Like, did he strap him in? I just want to kind of see what this looked like. And so they began removing the top layers of this roof. And then they start digging through their floor, the ceiling of the people below. I want you to just think about this for a moment. How long does that take? So Jesus is speaking in the room. The room is packed. And then, like, mud starts falling, right? And then you see a hand reach through. And then you see a face. It's like, no, we need to go this way a little bit. And then, and then they're tearing stuff off. I mean, it's a little distracting, right? Like, if someone starts, like, punching through the drop ceiling here, we would be like, bro, <laughs> it's like, Go around. What do you need? You know, it's like, right? It'd be a little distracting. How long did it take for them to do this? Not like a, a hole like two feet across, six feet by three feet minimum because it's this guy and a mat. How big did this? I mean, they're seeing sunlight. Mud is falling on people. Like this is, I mean, if I'm Jesus, I'm like, this is a little distracting, guys, right? So how long did this happen? There had to be a moment when it clicked for everyone. They were like, oh, he's paralyzed. This was the only way. There had to be a moment where they thought it was a prank. They're like, what the heck is going on? And then it hits them. He's paralyzed. 
I feel like there's probably a moment where they all start like rooting for the guy, right? Because they want this guy to get healed. And so there's this moment where if they finally lower the guy down right in front of Jesus, it says. It says that, um, it says that they, they lowered the sick man on the mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. So you see the hole is there. You see four heads look down, and then they lower the guy right in front of Jesus. So Jesus is teaching, and there's just a guy just suspended. Weird. It's kind of a weird day at church. Like you would probably talk about that with your friends, right? And it says in verse 20, everyone's probably going, heal the guy, right? They're elbowing their friends. Like it's like, it's like Incredibles where the kid on the little tricycle or the bike, camera, he's like, what are you looking for? I don't know, something incredible. I got something amazing, I guess, right? So they're probably elbowing their friends like, what do you think is going to happen? I don't know, probably something. I heard this guy like heals people. So they're thinking about, they're about to see a miracle happen. And so they're kind of leaning in, right? And so what does Jesus say? Verse 20, it says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. What? That's weird. Right? If I'm one of Jesus' disciples, like his entourage around him, I'm going, no, 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 no. You missed it. You missed it. He's paralyzed. I don't see what like walked in himself. Like, that's why the mat, I don't know if he caught that, but he's paralyzed. Right? Jesus knew what he wanted. Jesus knew what his friends wanted. But Jesus also knew what he needed. Big difference. Jesus knew what he wanted, but he also knew what he needed. And there's this idea that, man, prayer doesn't work. And I disagree. I think prayer works every single time. Maybe not to give you what you want, but it always does a work in you. There's a lot of times when I'm praying, I'm like, how come, God, you didn't give me what I wanted? But God always does a work in me. Sometimes you, you ask God for something, and God goes, no, I know you think you need that. You don't need that. You don't need that. This is why we're called Christ followers, that we follow Christ. Whatever God wants is what I'm trying to get my heart around and say, I want to surrender to that, and I want that too. This is why Jesus is not called a taka follower, right? He doesn't do what I want him to do. I do what he wants me to do. So the greatest prayer I can pray is, God, would you help me have a higher level of surrender to what you want in my life? John the Baptist, he says this in John 3.30, uh, he says that he must become greater. Talking about Jesus. He must become greater. I must become less. And I think this is the prayer that all of us need to make ours. God, would you become greater in my life? Would I become less? Would my desires always surrender to your desires? And so this guy wants to be healed, obviously. I don't know how long he's been paralyzed. I don't, I don't know the backstory on that. His friends want him to be healed. They've walked a long way. The room is probably leaning in, waiting for him to be healed. They're wanting to see a miracle. But then Jesus prioritizes forgiveness over healing. And we get this backwards all the time. We want the, we want the miracle of, uh, you know, healing or the prophetic word or whatever, the supernatural thing. And we overlook the greatest miracle of all. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. See, God could give you the material thing you're asking for or whatever. But the real question is, how is your heart? Real question is, how is your soul? Right? See, look, I, I love miracles. We pray for them every single week. 
When we dismiss here, prayer teams over here, we pray for people every single week for miracles, for healing, for financial miracles, for guidance. We love that. We believe God speaks through prophecy. We believe God moves in, uh, in supernatural ways. But can we be honest? Every single person that Jesus healed died at some point. You ever think about that? Every single person. Because we read the Bible, and I, there's so many, like, I grew up in a charismatic kind of, uh, or like my first, like, 20 years of ministry was in, like, a charismatic, faith-filled, kind of we believe in healing and all kind of prioritize miracles and that kind of thing. And we love that kind of stuff. But here's the thing. Every single person that Jesus healed died eventually. None of them are walking around. Even Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead, died and stayed dead. He doesn't live in Tustin anywhere. Like he's like, he's dead. And so do our miracles important? Yes. Yes. But all of us will take our last breath at some point. And if you could talk to every single person that Jesus healed, if you could talk to Lazarus, probably through an interpreter because he didn't speak English, but like if you could talk to them today, do you know what they would say? Forgiveness is way more important than healing. Seeing what they see now, knowing what they know now, they would tell you, yeah, miracles are super cool. But forgiveness is way more important than miracles. So Jesus sees the greatest need, and he addresses that, verse 21. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, this is so trippy. The Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, they were thinking this. Not like 30-second question they were talking amongst themselves. They were having a conversation in their heads. Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. They don't care that the guy's sins were forgiven. They're going, who does this guy Jesus think he is that he can forgive sins? It's only God can. And then it goes on. Jesus knew what they were thinking. Man, that's crazy. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier? Can you imagine someone like answering your thoughts? It's like, oh, man, okay, what do you do in that situation? So why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove you that the Son of Man, capital S, capital M, talking about himself, that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Crazy thing is, the only reason that Jesus healed this guy was to show the Pharisees and teachers of religious law that he had the power to forgive. Like, I wonder, like, if they didn't question them, uh, question Jesus in their hearts, would he have been like, your sins are forgiven? Okay, lift him up. Like, bring him back to the roof and take the long way around. Like, he was just, I wonder if he would have been totally content with not healing him. So, if the Pharisees didn't confront Jesus, what would have happened? Well, go on, verse 25. It says, and immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. So what did this guy do right away? He doesn't thank Jesus. He praises God. He doesn't thank the man. He praises God. And then it says, everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. And what I love about this moment is that the guy doesn't praise the teacher he praises God. And this is so important for us because there are miracles that happen all the time. And there's, it's so easy for us as church people. I've seen this happen over and over and over again. I'm sure you have too. 
that when things happen in a church family, it's so easy to praise the pastor, the leader, the speaker, the whoever, right? And they're like, no, we don't, we're not going to, we're going to praise God. So what happens is then a spirit of worship becomes contagious. What's the crowd's response? They praise God too. So this guy praises God. And then because that, everyone else starts praising God. And they say this. They say, we have seen amazing things today. You know what that phrase means? Amazing things means beyond what man can do. So we have seen things today beyond what man can do. That's why they're praising God. Because they're going, there's no way that man can forgive sins. There's no way that man can heal. Only God can. This must be God. So, as we close, four quick thoughts. First one is this. Has God given you a dream that lies on the other side of an obstacle? Right? So I want you to think about what obstacles you're facing in your life, and has God given you a dream that lies on the other side of that obstacle? And maybe God's given you a dream, and you've given up. You've gotten to the house, and it's packed. And you've never thought about, could I pull some shingles off the roof? You've just gone, oh, well, I guess the house is packed. Let's go home, guys. I guess it wasn't supposed to happen. Has God given you a dream that lies on the other side of the obstacle? If so, pray for a miracle. And if so, pray for a group. You can't do this alone. Another thing to think about then is who is in your sphere of influence that you can support? Who is in your sphere of influence that you can support to get past their obstacle? Whose entourage are you supposed to be a part of? Because they can't do it alone either. Next thought, what impossible things are you praying for God to do? What impossible things are you praying for God to do? Things that are beyond what man can do. Maybe for God to use you at your workplace. Maybe there's some people you're going, man, I want to invite them to my small group. I want to invite them to church. But man, they're probably going to say no. And you've already concocted this whole story of how they're going to tell you no. The problem is you've never invited them into the conversation yet. What impossible things are you praying for God to do? Because you know what's crazy? A lot of you guys, I know I am, a lot of you guys are impossibilities. Right? I was speaking at a friend's church in Chicago a few months ago, and this girl comes running up to me, and she goes, do you know who I am? I was like, no idea. She told me your name. I was like, oh, I used to party with you. You were a, a year ahead of me. And she was like the it girl of the class ahead of me. And I was like, you go to church? And she goes, you go to church? I'm like, I know, I know. So we were talking about how God's changed our lives. That we're no one would have guessed when we were in high school, especially during certain stages, that I mean, it's, it's hilarious that God would ever use me in a moment like this. So who are some people that you have said no for? Next thing, what are things you've taken credit for that you need to thank God for? What are some things in your life that you have taken credit for. Well, it's my skill. It's my connections. It's my hard work. It's my rugged good looks. Whatever the thing is, right? What are the things that you've taken credit for? That come on, man. You know. You know. On your best days. Come on. Because you can't blame God for the bad stuff if you take credit for all the good stuff. Come on. Right? So what are the things that you've taken credit for that you need to just thank God for? Because there's a whole lot of other people who are just as talented, just as good as you, just as connected as you. It didn't work out that way for them. So where can you thank God for a last thing? Have you prioritized other miracles over forgiveness? Have you prioritized ever other miracles over forgiveness and relationship with God? 
that, man, you would rather see someone get healed than someone come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. If you made that a bigger deal, last thing for us as a church family, I want us to think about this year, this year, can we as a church dream that God would do something so miraculous here at Voice Church that there's no way that we could take credit? Could we pray that, hey, we're going to do our hard work, we're going to sacrifice, we're going to put our chips in the middle, we're going to serve, we're going to give, whatever, invest. We're going to do our stuff. But at the end of the day, that there is something so miraculous, so amazing, so beyond what man could do, that there's no way we could take credit. Can you pray that this year? That's what I'm praying for this year for Voice. Could we as a church dream that God would do something so miraculous that there's no way we could take credit? That's what we're believing this year for God to do. Let me pray for us. God, I just uh, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that... Um, that you use someone like me. And God, I pray in Jesus' name, would you inspire faith in us? Would you help us to dream again, God? I pray for anybody in this room that is not in relationship with you, or not, they're not following you right now, God, I pray, would you help them to walk past their, their doubts or their hurt or their questions and put their trust in you? They're not putting trust in me. They're not putting trust in the institution of church. They're putting their trust in you. And they can feel the tug of God in their heart. God, I pray, would they put their trust fully in you. God, we all need you. God, would you use us to make a difference in this world wherever you have us. In Jesus' name, amen.